The following podcast contains explicit content and is not suitable for all listeners. In the U.S. in 2021, 194,673 women under the age of 21 were reported missing, and 62,552 women over the age of 21 were reported missing. The National Crime Information Center, or NCIC, missing person file was implemented in 1975. Records in the missing person file are retained indefinitely until the individual is located or the record is canceled by the entering agency. As of December 31, 2021, NCIC contained 93,718 active missing persons records. Juveniles under 18 years of age account for 30,400, or 32% of the records, and 39,114, or 42% of the records, when juveniles are defined as under 21 years of age. As of December 31, 2021, there were 8,415 unidentified person records in NCIC. On May 26, 1980, an 18-year-old runaway was picked up by a state trooper in Minnesota who viciously raped and murdered her while on duty. Her body was discovered about a week later, and her remains were ultimately buried as an unidentified person. In 1988, her murderer confessed, but, sadly, she would still not be identified until 2015 when DNA was finally confirmed. This is the story of Michelle Boucher. Michelle Yvette Boucher was born on November 2, 1961. Her mother and stepfather were Jehovah Witnesses and chose to homeschool Michelle and her sister. Her father, Don Boucher Sr., lived in Bay City, Texas, and although I can't find exactly where she was born, or information about her mother or where they lived, she is referred to as a Texas woman in articles, and so I assume she was born and raised in the state and likely in the same area that her father lived, or at least close by. Michelle was rebellious and fought against her strict upbringing, where she and her sister were, quote, highly isolated. She was independent, fearless, and had her own mind. At 17 years old, she ran away for the first time, making it to Burlington, Colorado, which is roughly 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers from Bay City, Texas. The police picked her up, but not wanting to return to her mother's home, the police contacted her father and she went to live with him. Bay City, Texas is located in the southwest region of the state, about 20 to 25 minutes from the coast of the Gulf of Mexico, and roughly 80 miles or 128 kilometers from Houston, Texas. 
It's a small town of just 18,061 people as of 2020. So even if she was living with her father, she would have been close by to her mother's home. And after feeling so isolated, she was itching to leave her small town and experience life and other places. She was with her father from 17 to 18 years old, but I'm not sure how long she was there exactly. She had a, quote, rebellious nature and fought back at every turn when it came to rules and authority. So it's no wonder Michelle and her father got into a fight that resulted in her once again running away. During the argument, her father slapped Michelle, which gave her all the ammunition she needed to leave again. Her father stating, quote, She wanted her freedom. She left. That's the last time I saw her. End quote. At 18 years old, she was now an adult and free to do what she wanted. Her father has expressed in interviews how that fight eats him up and he just wishes he hadn't slapped her and that she hadn't run off the way she did. But judging from her past and what has been described about her, if it wasn't that time, it would have been another, with or without the slap. Michelle had bigger dreams than her small hometown could hold and yearned for an escape. But unfortunately, Michelle's taste of freedom would not last long. Michelle was last seen hitchhiking to Louisiana in December of 1979. I'm not sure exactly when she left home, but she kept in touch regularly, updating her family along her travels. She called from Mississippi and Indiana sometime between January and May of 1980. But after some time had passed without calls, her family reported her missing on May 9, 1980. Michelle was fine, though, at that time. It's not known why she wasn't updating her family at that point, but she had made it all the way to Blue Earth, Minnesota on May 26, 1980. If you aren't familiar with the U.S., as I'm not quite sure where all these states are either without looking at a map, I'll try to explain a little bit. Louisiana is the next state over to the east of Texas, with Mississippi being the next east of that. Indiana is roughly 900 miles or 1,440 kilometers from her hometown of Bay City. That's, of course, depending on where in Indiana she was, as it goes as far north as Lake Michigan. The most direct route would have taken her through Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, and then Indiana. From there, Blue Earth is another 600 miles or 965 kilometers. Again, depending on where in Indiana she was, and the most direct route would take her through Illinois, the next state to the west, and Iowa, which is the next state to the northwest. Blue Earth is right on the Iowa-Minnesota border, so she had likely just entered the state on May 26, 1980. Blue Earth is a city in Faribault County, I think I'm saying that correctly, in Minnesota. It is a very small town with just 3,174 people as of 2020. It was also mentioned that she spent some time in Wisconsin, which is the state north of Illinois, but it's not verified, although very possible. 
Blue Earth, Minnesota is approximately 1,200 miles or 1,930 kilometers north from her hometown and just slightly east. Again, just to give you an idea of how far Michelle traveled. I don't know if she had some money saved. I assume she was so isolated that she didn't have a job while living at her mother's, but she may have had a job while at her father's. And she may have also been doing odd jobs as she traveled. She was alone at this time also, but again, I'm not sure if she made friends as she went along or what her goals were, if she was looking for somewhere to live or was just enjoying traveling. I'm wondering also where her end goal was or if she even had one. It's noted at the time of her disappearance, she was heading to Idaho or Oregon, which are three and four states over, respectively, from Minnesota. But again, I'm not sure if that was her end goal. What we do know is that on May 26, 1980, Michelle was getting dropped off along Interstate 90 in Blue Earth, Minnesota, when State Trooper Robert Leroy Nelson saw Michelle getting out of the vehicle and offered to give her a lift. He was on duty, so in uniform and with his official vehicle, and so Michelle felt safe to go with him. What happened next is unfathomable and horrific, especially from someone whose job it is to protect. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to my podcast. Femicide has surpassed 15,000 downloads, and I cannot thank you enough for your support. If you haven't already, please leave a review. It helps so much in getting my podcast out to a wider audience. The concept behind femicide is very close to my heart, and I hope through these stories we can shed a light on the abuse, violence, and sexual assault that women face daily. To help support me and my efforts, I have started a Patreon account. If you aren't familiar with Patreon, it is a membership-based platform designed to allow fans to support and connect with their favorite creators. For just $5 per month, you get access to one additional episode that I post there each and every month. Sign up today online at patreon.com or via the Patreon app, and I will leave a link in the show notes of this episode. As always, I will be donating 10% of all gifts received and memberships each month to various charities that help support women. The charity I'll be donating to for the month of February 2023 is the Toronto Rape Crisis Center slash Multicultural Women Against Rape, or TRCC slash MWAR. Quote, a grassroots women and non-binary people-run collective, we work towards a violence-free world by providing anti-oppressive, feminist peer support to survivors of gender-based or sexualized violence. We engage in public education, activism, and provide direct individual and group support to survivors and their supporters, end quote. And please don't forget to share with your friends and families because word of mouth is the best review of all. After Michelle got into State Trooper Robert Leroy Nelson's vehicle, he raped, beat, and tortured her before strangling her and dumping her body in a ditch along Interstate 90. It's unclear where he took her to commit these acts, 
A secluded area would have been needed, but I don't know if he would have done it in his vehicle as there would have been evidence that needed to be cleaned up. During her ordeal, he removed all her fingernails and shaved her head, except for a section in the back, which was left about an inch long. It's unclear why these acts were taken other than to prevent identification, at least from the articles I read. But it is believed she was alive during this time, which is just shocking and disturbing to think of. I also wonder how long he planned this crime. Having something to shave her head and then remove her fingernails doesn't necessarily feel like regular items a state trooper would have. So it makes me wonder. Michelle Boucher's badly decomposed body was discovered by a local farmer after heavy rains washed her into view and the authorities were called. Investigators described the body as being 5 feet 3 inches tall, 128 pounds, and between 20 to 35 years old, with a left ear piercing and an overbite. Although bloodied clothing and a Texas driver's license were found at the scene, it was discovered the license was counterfeit and that the clothing had animal blood on it. Michelle's actual clothing and belongings were disposed of, making her an unidentified body or Jane Doe, and she was buried in Riverside Cemetery in Blue Earth in a grave marked, quote, unknown Caucasian female, end quote. They did think she was a transient due to her, quote, heavily calloused feet and searched her fingerprints against missing persons from Minnesota and Colorado, but no matches were found. I'm not sure how Colorado is looked at as it's two states to the southwest of Minnesota or if other nearby states were also looked at. Obviously, they looked at missing persons who matched the description, but it would be nearly impossible to search every state, especially not knowing where she was coming from or where she started. But it is interesting that they looked at Colorado as that's where she was picked up the first time she ran away. From Michelle's family's side, they had filed the missing persons report and stayed hopeful that she would turn up eventually. During this time, Michelle's father refused to move or change his phone number in hopes Michelle would reach out at some point. By 1984, their hopes were dwindling as an unidentified body was tested against Michelle's dental records in May of that year. The unidentified woman, nicknamed the cheerleader in the trunk, who was found in Maryland in 1982, was ultimately not a match to Michelle. Sadly, that woman has still not been identified, although to date, 21 tests have been completed. There are more potential matches awaiting testing, so it's hopeful her identity will be found one day. Michelle's case went cold, and although some potential matches were made over the years, they ultimately proved not to be Michelle. Back in Blue Earth, the unidentified body was still not matched, and so flyers were distributed nationally in hopes of someone coming forward with information. A man named Henry Lee Lucas admitted in 1983 to murdering a woman along Interstate 90, 
but gave many inconsistent details to Michelle and was eventually released as a suspect in her case. He had killed his mother in 1960 and was eventually convicted of two murders in 1983, but he falsely confessed to over 600 murders. He was ultimately convicted of 11 murders in total, but was not Michelle's murderer. Luck would strike in June of 1988 when Robert Leroy Nelson, now in custody and no longer a state trooper, confessed to killing the unidentified woman in Blue Earth and provided details only the killer would have known. He claims she refused his sexual advances and he reacted. After the murder, he moved to northern Minnesota with his wife and three children before joining a religious cult, selling all his family's belongings and moving to Texas with the group. It's unclear if his wife and children followed. He was in custody regarding accusations of sexual assault of a child in Texas and another sexual assault from the area around Blue Earth when he confessed about Michelle. He pled guilty to first-degree manslaughter and received a life sentence and is still in prison. I read different sentencing information of 86 months for her murder and that he was already serving two life sentences, but regardless, he is in prison and is not getting out. But that wasn't the end of Michelle's story because Robert Leroy Nelson didn't know who she was and had disposed of any information that could have identified her. But then, in 2002, a local resident named Deborah Anderson became determined to find out who the unidentified woman was. She entered her in numerous missing persons databases and distributed flyers. She also raised funds to have the body exhumed and DNA tested. It would take until 2014 for that to happen. But that is when all the pieces came together. Both Michelle's father and sister had submitted their DNA in 2007 with hopes of one day finding a match to Michelle. And after 35 years, on March 5th, 2015, that match was finally made. Dental records were then confirmed, and on March 13th, 2015, the identity of the unidentified woman was announced to be Michelle Boucher. While there was relief that she was found after all those years, it was of course a sad time for her family, end quote, bittersweet. They had come to terms with the fact that she was likely deceased, but confirmation, of course, was difficult. Her family stating, They were surprised she was in Minnesota, as they hadn't suspected she went that far, but were relieved to know where she was. Her father stating, quote, Like I told the sheriff when they brought the news in March, I did my grieving years ago, adding, quote, I think closure is overrated. I always lived with the hope that someday she would show up. No matter what, do I feel any better because I know where her remains are? No, 
Originally, I was a wreck. And one day, I woke up to the fact that I still had a wife and I had other children that needed me. End quote. The process to exhume a body, to DNA test, is extensive and takes years. It's bad enough Robert Leroy Nelson murdered Michelle, but to deny her family closure, to have her body laid to rest in an unmarked grave, it's especially heinous. He didn't care. To him, she was disposable, and he didn't even take the time to learn her name. Her murder not only affected her family, but the people of Blue Earth also. One investigator stating, quote, a murder like that doesn't leave your mind. You live with it, end quote. Her father also stating in reference to the community of Blue Earth, quote, they kind of adopted her in a way. I just want to go see them and thank them. If I live long enough, I will get there, end quote. It's so sad to think of what could have been for Michelle, but at least she was able to experience some of that freedom she so desperately craved before her untimely death. I hope she can rest now, knowing her killer was brought to justice and that she was finally found. Thank you for listening to the story of Michelle Boucher. I'm your host, Sean Marie. Join me next time for another story.